panda porn. No, it's not a new type of porn. It's literally pandas watching other pandas have sex on a TV. Why would this ever happen? Uh, this week, science reporter Luciana Gravata talked with neurobiologist Jim Faust about it. She joined us in studio today. Hi, Luciana. Tell us about panda porn. Hi, Melissa. So what's the big deal about porn? Some love it, some hate it. But for those who do watch it, does it hurt their sex drive when it comes to the real thing? And does watching more of it make us want more kinky stuff? Faust is a behavioral neurobiologist, which means he works with animals, in this case rats. But he's learned a lot about the brain and sexual behavior from these critters. I'll get back to rats later, but first, let's talk about panda porn. Faust told me a story that shows that visual porn is not exclusive to humans. Take a listen. Visual porn works with species that rely on a visual sense, and that's usually humans. But it turns out that studies have been done showing, for example, apes porn, and they get very frisky. So they're very much like we are, right? They see something visual, they see other apes having sex, they want to have sex. Now it's interesting, 15 years ago in Washington, D.C., there was a big problem. We'd gotten pandas from China, and the male was not copulating. He wasn't doing anything. He went through three female pandas and didn't make any offspring. You know, and certainly seeing a male who's given three different partners who doesn't, you know, who are all sexually receptive and approaching him and putting their bums in his face and doing all the kind of things that female pandas do to solicit sex from him, nobody knew what to do. Faust joined a group of scientists in Washington, D.C. to put together a plan to get this panda to reproduce. The thing with Ling Ling the panda was that he was orphaned at a young age and raised at the zoo. Pandas are social animals, like us. But unlike us, it is common for young pandas to watch their parents and other adult pandas have sex. Ling Ling had always been alone and had never seen panda sex. Maybe he didn't know what to do. Faust and his colleagues decided to give Ling Ling a little inspiration. We showed him panda porn. It was almost like you could see the light bulb go on in Ling Ling's head. That he started looking at the other, at the female that he had. He started really looking at her. He looked back at the move, at the film. He's looking at her. Looks back at the film. Anyway, within two days, they copulated and she got pregnant. Faust says that, as in this example, porn can be educational. I mean, if you're somebody who's sexually naive and you don't really have any of your own fantasies because you don't really know what to do yet other than tug at yourself or rub your clitoris, it's like, what do you, how do you know, even know what to do? You have no idea what to fantasize about. But, you know, this raises the question about uh, kids who might end up watching something like S&M porn. Is that going to teach them to, you know, act it out when uh, they, end, they do end up becoming sexually active? Well, Faust says that most people can actually separate porn from reality. I don't know that porn really lures you down this path to the dark side of the sexual force. I think it can when you think that that's real. But I I really question the idea that anybody really thinks it's real. I've talked to 17-year-olds who clearly know that these women are not really getting off. That it's a, you know, it's an act. It's It's not reality. So it seems that people can draw the line between what they see in porn and reality. But that doesn't mean porn can't have an impact on our reality. According to one economist, pornography can be a substitute for rape. Ross S. Kendall is a senior economist at Compass Lexicon in Chicago. 
In an unpublished manuscript, he says that the internet made porn more accessible. He found that in the United States, a quarter of all internet searches were for porn. He also found that at the same time that internet use was increasing, rape was decreasing. Kendall concluded that porn was serving as a substitute for rape. That's, that's really interesting, uh, but I mean, it's kind of making a strange association between, you know, an increase of internet use and a decrease in rape. Um, you know, scientists always say that correlation does not uh, mean causation. I wonder uh, what he says about this. Well, that's exactly what worldwide best-selling author of Freakonomics, Stephen D. Levitt, pointed out in the Freakonomics blog. He says that he is skeptical of the result. Maybe there's another factor that's causing both a rise in internet use and a decrease in rape. So let's get back to some hard facts. Foss says that contrary to what some people believe, women also get sexually excited from watching porn. Before what he has to say, though, let me explain what a photoplethysmograph does. It measures changes in blood flow in an organ, everything from the lungs to the penis. Jim Faust. I find it interesting that data show that women get aroused by lots of pornographic images, even though subjectively their belief in a top-down way can tell them, well, I'm not supposed to be aroused by that, so I'll say I'm not, even though if I, you know, if somebody puts a vaginal photoplethysmograph in their vaginas to record blood flow, oh, the blood's flowing. I mean, they're getting lubricated, the blood's flowing. Everything is getting them ready for sex. Porn, again, as a, an antecedent condition, is something that is like an hors d'oeuvre to dinner, is getting you ready for eating. Now, if you find what we're doing now to be a very public discussion of a very private subject, consider what Professor Kelly Dennis brought up in her talk this week. Dennis teaches art history at the University of Connecticut and was invited to Concordia to talk about porn, art, and the internet. She said that the line between what is public space and what is private space is getting really blurry. With cell phones, surveillance cameras, and webcams, what used to be private is now very public. Check out what she said about the TSA body scanners at the airport. I think what has been traditionally a kind of distinction that we've, been, we've held between public and private space is fairly modern and I think is um, no longer existent. Partly because of the internet, partly because I think of, of surveillance uh, and the apparatus of the state uh, and state power in surveillance. So one of the things uh, I mentioned this evening is Transportation uh, Security Association, the TSA, screening images, uh, the naked body scanners. The fact that we all, in a sense, when we go through an airport now, are appearing naked on a screen somewhere. Uh, and there have been concerns about you know, where those images go, and it's been proven in any number of occasions that those images are not as secure as we've been reassured. And so what are the implications of that, that we're all, in a sense, pornography? Uh, as we walk through the airports and other places now. Wow, that's getting uh, really artsy on us. Uh, what happened to those hard facts you promised? And um, didn't you say that uh, Faust also works with rats? True. It's that I've been saving the juiciest part for the end. What rats have shown Faust is that once you have the real thing, porn doesn't measure up. This wisdom came from a technique the lab uses, rat clitoral stimulation. Basically, a graduate student is in charge of stroking a female rat's clitoris with a paintbrush. And rats love it, Faust explains. 
We even have videos where my student, Maite Parada, is like moving her arm out of the box that she stimulates the female's clitoris and she runs over and grabs her lab coat and her teeth and pulls her back in, right? And then presents her hind, her hindquarters to her. I mean, it's kind of like, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. Come back here, do more, do more. What Faust did was to give a virgin rat clit stim and pair that with an almond scent. The female rat was given two options, an unscented male rat and an almond-scented male rat. She clearly chose the almond guy. But what was interesting to Faust was that when female rats that were not virgins were given the same treatment, the preference wasn't as consistent. The idea is that the real thing changes everything. Here's the argument. The clit stem, when you don't know anything else, is highly rewarding. The females with sexual, exper- with sexual experience then, clitoral stimulation, well, first off, they've already had it. But they've already had complete clitoral stimulation from the male's intromission. They haven't had just external. So it's almost like once you've been to Paris, the idea of going to Paris, Texas, just seems ridiculous. Faust says that unlike porn, the real thing is so much more complex. For one, it involves interpersonal relationships, which are important to us as a social species. I'll leave off with some food for thought in Faust's own words. In a way, it can be liberating, but in another way, it can also be constricting. And I think people just have to rem- remember that this is like, it's like a chocolate bar. It's not a meal. It's something that can tide you over. It's something that tastes good. It's something that's fine. But it's not necessarily going to fill you up. As an example of what sex is, I mean, porn is, you know, the, the tip of an iceberg to what sex is. That was a very interesting conversation. Thank you very much, Luciana.